Welcome back to the New Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Yvonne and Kiruka, and we are here today with Mike. He is a dear friend. He hails all the way from Brooklyn, but currently lives in Atlanta. He's a leader, public speaker, a friend, a servant. The list goes on and on and on. Mike, welcome to the New Growth Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> What's up? What's up? <laughs> I love how you lied on your intro. I'm, I'm a pretty basic guy. You know what I mean? But I'll take it. 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 No beef. No beef. I'll take it. I appreciate the acknowledgement. You're beyond basic. You're phenomenal. And um, just the backstory, can you just share a little bit about who you are to the world? Yeah. Um, so my name is Mike Ferrone. I am a child of God first, a black man second, um, Jamaican American, raised in Brooklyn, New York, moved around for a little bit. So I have uh, <laughs> got roots in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina and Miami, Florida, uh, Dade County, particularly. Um, but yeah, I'm a simple guy, man. I, I, I try to align my words and my actions. It doesn't always happen. But yeah, I'm simply a man trying. You know what I mean? I think that's that's a, a great way to put uh a period behind uh, who I am. I'm simply a man trying. Wonderful, wonderful. So, how are you doing overall? How am I doing? Um, in this immediate moment, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I, I truthfully am learning how to be grateful in the process. Uh, it doesn't mean things are always perfect, but it does allow me to be reflective and try, keyword, try to be present in the many moments of life. Yeah. Being, yeah, yeah, yeah. Being present, I think is something that I'm, I've constantly been trying to work on. There's this, it's like where you want to be, where you are, and um, just kind of figuring out how to take each day and find the beauty in it, even in the mundane spaces. So I can definitely relate to that. Um I want to tell the the audience how we know each other. <laughs> um, I remember it was maybe seven, maybe seven or six years ago. Yeah, that's, that's a spot on. Pretty spot on. Yeah, right. Uh, and I remember. Yeah, it was when I was living in Brooklyn. We were both living in Brooklyn at the time, and I, I think you used to wear these hats. Did you used to wear these? You used to wear like a vest. And like a scarf, I just remember you walking into into the church, and you were so dapper. I was dapper. And I appreciate that. I, you were I, dapper. I, I, I feel like, like I gave more of like you know, I guess you know, the pretty average everyday guy look, but you know, dapper. I'll take dapper. Yeah, I ain't mad. Why, why are you downplaying yourself? Why are you downplaying yourself? I'm not, I'm, I'll, I'll tell the story. 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 Go ahead. Yeah, I remember you walked in. <laughs> And you just you just carried like a swag about you, you know, and you know, and then we started serving together and serving. We served um, folks who were experiencing homelessness together in New York City, and I just that's one thing I think that has always been true about you is that you are a servant, and and it's it's really special to see a man who is willing to 
give so much of himself, um, not only to your family, but also to your community, to young people, and even to me as your friend. Since I've been in Atlanta, you have helped me move so many times. And I just, <laughs> like It's just been, I know that I can call on Mike and I really appreciate that. I appreciate so, that. Yeah, I know I'm making you feel uncomfortable, but nah, you should. you know, I, I'm just one person that doesn't do well with acknowledgments. I receive them. I just don't <laughs> know what to do with them when I get them. You know, so it's, it's, a, it's a learning room. I'm growing. I'm growing. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So how's your hair doing? How's my hair doing? Um... Honestly, it is dry and dirty. So, uh, yeah. So I've been, um, I've been running around a lot with work, doing a lot of travel over the last uh, several months. Um, and it has been several months since I washed my hair, just to be clear. But um, it, it has been at least you know a few weeks since I've washed my hair, and I think my locks need um, some rejuvenation. So. You know what? Speaking of tomorrow, I will definitely be going ahead and, you know, washing my hair and probably going to get a style and stuff. So uh, thank you for calling me out on that or asking at the very least, because I do need to get it done. So I rem- I know when you didn't have hair and I'm curious to know. Like, you had a fade, maybe. Maybe you were right, a fade. I remember when you were bald. Was like, no, no, no. Hey, like, you're right. Yeah, I had, I had a little yeah. Yeah, so I'm curious about what made you decide to get locks because I feel uh, like getting locks is a very intentional decision that one makes. Yeah, it is intentional. Um, I got locks for two reasons. One, I always wanted to grow my hair out, and I would do iterations of growing my hair out, cutting it off. I'm always feeling like I had to conform to like corporate America, like having this like dark Caesar or less here because, you know, black men just don't grow their hair out and thrive in corporate America. Or at least that was the assumption and working model I was operating with. Um, as I got older and more uh, centered in who I am and who God's calling me to be, I was like, yo, I could, my hair is going to be my hair. Whoever and wherever I'm supposed to be are going to accept me um, as such. Uh, and it's what really made me commit to it. So that's really kind of the why, but what made me commit to that reality was, um, after I lost my grandmother, uh, mm-hmm. it was like, hey, you know, it was it was one of those moments where you're like, what are you scared of committing or why are you scared of committing? Right. And like locking my hair was one of the first steps of commitment um, or testers for me really committing to something and seeing it all the way through. Um, so, yeah, you know, when life throws you for a loop change happens. So, um, yeah, as a result, I decided to lock my hair and kind of see the journey through. That is so cool. I never knew that. I never yeah. knew that that's why you started your locks. Yeah. Wow. And see, that's why I think hair, like our hair is so connected to our journey in life. Oh, yeah. And so it's really interesting that part of the way you wanted to challenge yourself was by locking your hair and and to see if you could really commit to something. And have you seen yourself commit in other ways? <laughs> <laughs> That's how we started the conversation. Bet. All right, I respect it. Hey, good, good interview question. That was dope. Um, and honestly, so you know, locking my hair was was really the the earmarker of a new beginning for me in a lot of ways. Um. 
in the moment, I didn't realize that, but it really was. So I think one committing to move and leaving New York um, for, you know, those that may know me, the reality is I, I was grew up in New York for the majority of my life and I lived in New York for my adult life. Um, and leaving New York was a really big deal because it was leaving a place that I was comfortable, I was thriving in, um, and I knew really well and really intimately and committing to going somewhere where I didn't really have any roots, I didn't really have any ties, um, i.e. Atlanta. Um, hmm. So that's one, I think two was, uh, we'll talk more about this, but like committing to love myself more, right? So I ain't, I ain't gonna go too deep into that just yet. But um, also committing myself to being loved by others, right? So being loved more by my friends, uh, being loved more by my family and being you know loved more by my girlfriend. It's just like, yo, how do you allow yourself to um, truly experience that and that's that's been a that's been a heck of a journey for sure, for sure, for sure. So yeah. Wow. I I'm always fascinated when black men in corporate America, because it, it's a very in, intentional decision to like grow your hair out, to get locks. Um, not just in corporate America, but just in America, because hair. Yeah as we know, has been policed, you know, black hair has been policed. And um, I just think that it's, it's actually courageous. It's actually courageous to choose to do something that um, goes against the grain of what is acceptable in certain spaces. And um, also to, to choose it, to, to actually allow your hair to propel you to be who you want to be in mm-hmm. other spaces as well. I think, I feel like that's so dope. So Mike, all of this season, we have been talking about love. Word. And I remember I told you that I was going to be doing this season on love. And I was like, I don't really know. And you're like, go for it. And uh, here we are oh. talking about love. So my question to you is, how have you been growing in love? How have I been growing in love? Um, I think for me, in order to kind of answer that, like we would have to level set and come to a consensus on like how are we defining love, right? What? Yeah. <laughs> go there. Okay, well let's go there then. <laughs> um, yeah, so you know, I, I think that's that's the the like a starting point for me and like how am I growing in love? How am I defining love? And and for myself, I think. I've come to a realization that love is seeing uh, someone at their best, even when they're at their worst, right? Um, and and within that, love is still a choice, right? So kind of weighing those two things in the reality of, of themselves and like, hey, like, because love is a choice and love is really treating somebody and seeing them at their best, even when they're at their worst, right? Like, how am I growing in love? And I think yeah, it really comes down to I'm growing in love by, yeah, learning to love myself more. And despite my own pitfalls, shortcomings, like how do you learn learn to love you so you can love others better? Um, yes, that's and that's that's been a, a rough journey in and of itself, right? Because you just got to stand in the mirror and like love every aspect that feels unlovable. So, or learn to love every aspect that feels unlovable and untouchable. So anyway, I'll, I'll pause there for right now. You say started this journey. 
Mm, what started this journey? I, well, one, I think, you know, full transparency, I think coming to Christ really started to break this mold of like, what does it mean to love myself? Like as a, as a man, if I, I keep it a buck, I like it. I've, I've never really stopped to ask myself, do I love myself? You know what I mean? The assumption is that I, I did and I do. And uh, it wasn't until I was what, 25 that I, I came to Christ. Uh, and in that, it was like, oh, wait, like, what, wait, what is love, right? And like, do you actually love yourself, right? And like, are the choices you're making in life loving yourself, right? And I think that's been um, really the examining tool is just like, all right, so what does it even mean, right, to really love? And a component of that within that reality of, you know, seeing someone at their best and loving them even at their worst is like, yeah, that long suffering, right? It's not a, you know, I think I'm, I'm very, I'm a very pragmatic person, right? So like rom-coms and all of that are okay to me, but they don't really paint the fullest picture of love in, in my personal opinion. I know you're looking at me like, ah, don't, don't even come at my shows, but in a, in a sincere way, because, uh, love has moments of joy, elements of joy, but love is one part work and dedication and sacrifice and you know what I mean and just giving of yourself in such a way that like I wasn't even treating myself in a loving way how could I be loving to other people um so I think starting that was the the starting point for the journey um for sure and just being faced with the reality of like yo you're not a good lover as you think you are right before I came to Christ I thought being a good lover was just like having sex with people right like oh like like oh it's like like I'm good at bed, so I'm a good lover. And it's like, no, 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 no. Love is so much more than that, right? Um, so breaking those notions and realities down to the core and kind of building back a new understanding and definition of love. And so you mentioned you coming to Christ for those um, folks who may not know what that means. Like, what did that look like for you? Like, what was the, if you could just briefly... Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I'm gonna answer that by kind of giving a bit of a story. So I, I became a Christian one, but also uh, encountered Jesus Christ back in like 2016. Um, back in 2016, I was I was in a space in my life where one, I grew up really away from the church, away from Christianity, away from Jesus, because of just what I experienced as a child in like my grandparents' church and and all of that. Um, so really between the ages of 12 and 25, like I was in the streets. Now I was violent in the streets, right? Like I tell people all the time, uh, I was a hood adjacent nerd, right? So like I was, I had one foot out in the streets, but they always told me to go back inside, right? Um, but as such, the way I defined my life was devoid of what like biblical truth was. Um, so at 25, I was like, all right, Mike, you know, it's time to be a good man. Like you done had your fun, time to be a good man. What does the world say a good man actually does, right? Okay, so he has a good job. He has a good woman. He has good, he's making good money or has a lot of money. And he just has a lot of fun, right? Like, you know, some some real substantial experiences. But try to do all that. The girl I wanted to be with was like, yo, I'm good. I'm not trying to do that right now. Bet. The job I applied for, I got hired for a job. Uh I won't say the university's name, but I got hired for a job to run a university new department. And they gave me an offer letter and then took the offer, like literally rescinded the offer. They're like, hey, 
by the way, we're actually just going to like shut this whole reality down. We're going to shut this roll down. We're so sorry. It's above our heads. They close the they close the position. They close the roll. That that new job that was supposed to be like that it thing for me gone. And I I really feel like I fa- fell on some financial hard time financial hardships at the time. And in that, um, yeah, I was like, all right, I just need to figure out something to help me feel motivated, right? Like I wasn't looking for Jesus, but I was I was looking for motivation. So I was like, well, let me go to church. My boy been bugging me to show up and go to church. Um, and I went to church about two times. The first time I went, I was like, ah, oh, this is whack. This is really not for me whatever. And the second time I went, um, I yeah don't remember the sermon. I don't remember uh, the worship. I just remember it was like communion happening. It was like pretty lowly lit or dim lit in the in the church at the time. And I just sat there. I'm like, I'm not a Christian. I don't got to go get up and go get no cup. Um, and in that moment, I heard like a still voice that's, that was very clear and it said, it's okay to let go. And I sat there and I cried. And and imagine I'm a 25 year old grown man in a, in an open space crying, but I, which hasn't happened or hadn't happened at that time quite frequently or at all, if I could re- truly remember. Right. Um, and that was the moment where I was like, Hey, okay, I need to give my life to Christ and confess my sins, things that, things of that nature and really kind of start my journey with God. But I, I, I share all of that to, to say this simple thing, right? Like that one moment was God's first tangible act that I recognize, right? Let me be clear, like tangible act that I recognize of love of saying like, yo, it's okay to let go of all the things that you're carrying. You don't have to do this alone. And while I wasn't looking for God, I, I was, he was looking for me. And I think that's, that's pretty dope. Wow. Wow. So that began your journey, your love journey. Yeah, without without a shadow of a doubt, because it became the definition and barometer for what love is. And even though I didn't fully understand it in the moment, I understood the experience. Yeah, yeah, and that I I feel like that is such a great point because it's like we're always we're coming into a deeper every day we're coming into a deeper deeper knowledge of what love is. Yeah, like what how how much god loves us mm-hmm. like the depth the width and um just like it's not you just don't get it all in one day it's over time that you kind of um if you allow it like especially if you're on this journey with god like if you allow it you come into deeper like understanding of how much you're loved, what it means to love, the cost and all of those things. So that's beautiful. So let me ask you a question. Do you feel like you love yourself now? Mm. I think I do a better job at loving myself, if I'm honest. Um, And I still struggle with loving myself completely, but I, I I don't use my ability or inability to love myself as a barometer of if I'm love. I feel like I, I use God's barometer if I'm love. And I also acknowledge that like there are people around me that really do actually love me. And it may not always feel like that, but but it's true. And I got to fight, fight against um, what's true and what's not. My feelings aren't facts. You know, if I'm gonna call a spade a spade, my feelings aren't facts. They're real and they're and they're valid because they're coming from somewhere, but they're but they're not facts. So I need to hold on to the facts of like how are people showing that they love me? How can I hold on to that? How is God showing that He loves me? How can I hold on to that? And I find it hard to love myself fully and completely because I know me. 
right? Like, you know, I I know the problematic person I used to be. Like, I know the like experiences of child abuse I went through. I know the like the relation, the broken relationships that I have. I know the way I've treated women in the past. I know that you know the dirt that I've done. I know every time like I haven't been this uh, quote unquote right or just just person, which one, I'm not trying to be, but even more than that, I I know my baggage, right? And I, I have a clear list in my mind of my baggage. And I constantly have to trade that in for someone else's genuine love, right? Or God, I have to trade that in for God's genuine love. So it's a, it's a, it's a tug of war, if I'm honest, um, but I'm, I'm getting better at loving myself in the process. Mm. So you mentioned that you're currently in a relationship, mm-hmm. but you also mentioned that you had a track record of like, you know, just not necessarily being just in certain situations. How have you been able to reconcile your past and then your present when it comes to allowing yourself to be loved, even when you may necessarily look back and say, oh, I haven't, I don't feel like I've, you know, treated women the best in the past. Yeah, I mean, it's if I'm honest, it is, uh, if not a daily, a weekly battle of like feeling like I'm lovable mm. um, or I'm worth loving. Uh, and and full transparency, I think the woman that in my in my life experience that loved me the best and the healthiest in a non-romantic sense was my grandmother, right? And losing her was one of those wake-up calls of like, what does it now mean to experience love, right? Like in, in, in some ways, even as a believer, I didn't have to give my heart, my entire heart to a woman because she kind of held a part of my heart, right? And I think free game for anybody listening. And, and while I don't speak for all men, I can confidently say, you know, if a man has a woman that is special in their life, they tuck away their emotions in that woman sometimes. Is that healthy? Maybe not, right? Um, but there is a reality of like a man entrusting his vulnerability to a woman, right? And that woman can be a parent, that woman can be a sister, that woman can be a, a spouse, right? But if you are ever wondering about like you know, where, where, how sometimes does this man like kind of lay his emotions? Sometimes it, it is in a woman that he feels safe with, right? And, and for that fact, now speaking particularly for only for myself, or you know, let me speak for myself. It's the truth of the matter is, I found my my protection and vulnerability of just being safe enough to be who I am without having to perform with my grandmother. So when I'm out in the world and I'm dating, I I can be on and I can give a farce or give this uh, half-hearted effort of love because I really don't have to give you all of me. I really don't have to be super vulnerable. I really don't have to be fully naked emotionally with you. And and in that, I really couldn't love a woman well because there was somebody I was I was already a, you know giving that vulnerability and safety to. Um, mm. So losing her as hurtful as it was, it was an opportunity to allow myself to love and to be loved by a woman in my life that uh, I can actually build and grow with in a way that I couldn't with my grandmother, right? <laughs> Right. Um, so when I think about my girlfriend now, yeah, like I hope she doesn't hear this because I'm like, I don't need her to, to be asking me a whole bunch of questions. But in that, uh, <laughs> in that, it's like, 
she has provided a safe space um, for me to be me, right? Like I don't have to be Mike that does X, Y, and Z. Like I'm just Mike to her, right? Like I'm not one thing or another to her. I'm, I'm simply just me. And she understands or is learning more about full components of who I am, right? And I think I used to I used to love dating or being in a relationship with women that like tend to be fiery. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, right? Like, you know, like women that I was like, I'm gonna tell you like it is, no questions asked, you don't have to write. That's 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 a personality type. I'm I'm you know, type A folks. I'm I'm with it, I'm for it. But at this point in my life, I'm realizing I actually need gentleness. I need a deeper sense of consideration. I need softness because the world's already hard enough, right? Mm-hmm. Um and while I thought in in one phase of my life, this is what I needed as I mature and grow older and understand how I like to be loved and what it means to be loved um, in my vulnerability, it's like, oh, wait, I actually do need softness. I need gentleness. I need care. I need consideration. I need a, a actively listening ear. And yeah, I, for for reality is like, I'm a hard, I, I know I'm a hard person to love because I fight against love. I fight against receiving love. Push pause. <laughs> time out. Time out. Would you say no? That's that's good. That's good. I feel like that is great emotional awareness. That there's actually a term for this, and it's called mm-hmm. being love avoidant. <laughs> okay, that is that there's is a real a thing. It's, it's love avoidant, meaning when uh, you get love, you back away from it. Like it could be good, pure love, but there's something about it that just makes you want to run away from it. And then when it's taken away, you come back. It's like, and typically a lot of men are love avoidant. They tend to be love avoidant. And I do think it's the way that men are socialized in our society. What happens is is that it's that push pull thing. It's like, I come close, (laughs) you back away. You get that future text from your ex, like, yo, I left you alone and now you're back. What's up? And now you're back. (laughs) So how have you been actively trying to break your resistance to love? Like, what does that look like practically? Um, I'm a a twofold. I think one for, for me personally, it's it's really been learning how God loves me and sees me, right? Like I'm love avoidant because of, um, or I have a proclivity to be love avoidant because growing up, I've had a message told to me. I'm talking about me personally, right? This may apply for other men, but I don't, I, I can't speak for all men. I've had a message told to me that I'm worthless. I'm not going to be nothing. I'm going to be just like my father, right? Father's a good man now, but you know, but like, I've I've been told these messages of like these negative reinforcing messages that as much as I climb up any ladder, whether that's a relationship ladder, a relational ladder, a you know corporate ladder, a career ladder, a you know fitness ladder, those things still come with me, and because of that, I don't feel um, worthy enough to experience love, but I do desire it. So it's this constant tension of like, wait, I desire this thing but I don't feel worthy enough for it. So I push it while still trying to hold on to it at the same time, right? Like I push it away forcefully and and try to pull it back because we need love to survive. Like people thrive in love, right? 
Um, as such, like I said, one, it, it's clear as day for me, just like, how does God see me, right? And seeing myself the way God sees me uh, is vitally important to the healthiness of how I experience love. The second piece is, man, just like being okay in the uncomfortable experience of receiving love. Like just being okay in the uncomfortable, like just like sitting in that sometimes, right? Like I used to stop people all the time when they like give me a compliment. I still do a little bit, right? Like maybe just a little bit. But what I do now is sit there quietly and just like receive it and just yet, but I receive it instead of like fighting the best. Like, oh, no, 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 you know, don't say that, don't say that, don't say that, right? Like I, I now try to lean into it. And um, a third piece is, yeah, just really unlearning unhealthy experiences I've had with love, right? Like, how do I continue to unlearn unhealthy patterns of love, right? Like, just because uh, somebody's used me in one way in the past doesn't mean that this person is going to do the same thing or because it looks the same, it's not the same, right? And being able to be discerning enough uh, to see one thing not as the other. Right. Like, oh, just because someone says something that's, that feels similar, they're not trying to attack you. They're probably just trying to help you. Like love is like, oh, like I'm actually going to give you some feedback or try to give you some correction. That's actually helpful for your life. Right. It's not that I'm I'm about to hurt you. I'm trying to hurt you. So learning those small things that don't always feel like love and uh, really the person's character and, and charging it to their character. Like I know this person well enough to know that they are not here to hurt me and they're actually here to love me. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. And what you said made me think of something I've been thinking about. Oftentimes, <laughs> one of the ways that this shows up in my life is like assuming the worst that mm-hmm. someone has bad intentions. And what I hear you saying is like actually giving them the benefit of the doubt. And understanding who they are, their character, their track record. I I am starting to believe that part of loving someone who you're in relationship with is actually believing the best in them, that they are for you, that they want Mm -hmm. what's for you. They are with you. They're not, they're not your enemy. They're not out to bring you down. But what happens is when, if you have come up in in an environment where some of the people that were closest to you when you were younger necessarily didn't always have your back in the way that they should have, or if they didn't speak to you in the the most loving way, it kind of twists your understanding of what someone who loves you should be doing. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so you get really comfortable with them being like uh, not always having the greatest motives or um, not always saying the right things. So when someone is saying good things, when someone is being loving, it it kind of is jarring. So it makes sense. So love really, yeah, I just think that love is assuming the best in another person and not the worst. And that's actually loving towards yourself. I think so. 
Yeah, I don't I don't disagree at all. I think so two parts. So one, in regards to like when we're interacting with people in relationship, like in an intimate relationship and like a, a friendship, right? Or even a family relationship, when I'm when I'm I'm not boo-boo the food, right? And you're not about to play me. That's one thing like I'm just very clear about. Yet I am also someone that pays attention to and values uh, how I see you interact with the world, right? Like, if you're only loving kind to me because we're in relationship together or we're friends, and I see you treat someone that has no value to you, quote unquote, or has nothing to offer you, or you have nothing to gain from, or yeah, I just feel like that is a quintessential problem for me. Like, if you're treating those individuals poorly, then I'm like, oh, when I no longer provide you whatever you're looking for, then there's going to be a switch. That isn't love. That's manipulation. Mm-hmm. Me, and, and this is why I'm, when we started our conversation, I was really um, clear or, or about just how we defining love, right? Because if it's actions, then if it's solely actions, then it's just like, okay, actions can be easily manipulated. And mm-hmm. if it's solely emotion and feelings, emotions and feelings can fluctuate. So you have two inconsistent barometers, but if you bring them together and have them overlay, then you start to possibly see a pattern of like, oh, okay, you're, the way you speak and feel align with the things that you're doing, right? So, and I think, I think that is um, really for me how I start to really navigate through this reality of like, yo, does this person actually love me or do they care for me? It's like, who is this person? Right. Um, and I think that's one of the things for me, I, I just tried to exercise as a muscle in experiencing love and receiving love um, at this point in life. Nice, nice. So I'm of the belief that good love, whether it's platonic love, family love, or romantic love, good love changes you. Mm. And so, how is the love you're currently experiencing? changing you um how is the love i'm currently experiencing changing me it's it's changing me by um giving me a space to be soft to be fragile to uh take the cape off you're part of the soft life crew you're part of the well, nah, I, you know, like quick sidebar. Let's let's talk about that soft life. I don't I don't really I don't jack the soft life reality, right? Like soft life is not for me, not because I don't get what people are asking for. People are are looking for that obviously stress free, like the low pressures or just kind of alleviating themselves of the many headaches in life. But the reality is, life is hard at times. It's who you're doing it with and who you're surrounded by that makes life easier, right? And yeah, like like a soft life doesn't devoid you of problems. Like you're gonna have issues, right? Regardless, but it can be soft if you're doing it with the right people. If you have the right kind of community, the right kind of friends, the right kind of um, healthy family members around you, right? Um, so I'm not anti soft life. I'm just like, yo, what what aspect of a soft life are you really experiencing? Is this a, this is an excuse to live a luxurious life without responsibility, or is it you really saying, hey, I desire to live in the goodness of life and the healthier aspects of life with people that actually matter to me. So, you know, we could, we could, we could table that debate for another time. Um, yeah. But yeah. 
So it's making you more soft. And can you yeah. define like what that has looked like for you? Yeah. So for, so for me, it's it's um, being more gentle, gentle with my words, um, gentle with myself, uh, being able to smile more. Like if you know me, you know, I'm not a big like I'm, I don't smile in pictures. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't allow myself to experience joy because I'm too familiar with pain, mm. you know? And in that reality, uh, the people around me, whether they know it or not, or see the changes or not, are constantly chipping away at this reality as I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to break through the wall and they're trying to break me out of the wall, right? And it's just like, it, it, it's, it, I need that fluid dance of me making an effort and folks also making an effort because I can't see the light without them, right? I can't see love without people um, or without my friends, my community, right? Um, and I think that that is softness, right? Like having the freedom to be uh, gentle, to not feel like the world's pressures are on your shoulders, to not have all the answers, right? To break down and cry when you need to cry, right? To have a space to be like, yo, I don't got it today, right? To take off all the notions of masculinity hyper or toxic masculinity that you 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 have tied to you or that's been ingrained in you and putting that aside and just being you right the freedom to be you right like i think about like when folks talk about uh this idea of being naked it's like folks get physically naked all the time but that still doesn't bring love that still doesn't bring intimacy what brings love is being emotionally mentally uh naked with somebody and being able to say hey this is who i am and not only this is who I am, I am being loved and accepted for who I am. That's powerful. I want to go back to this idea of like softness and gentleness mm-hmm. that you described that your girlfriend um, shows you, which I think that is so beautiful. I think that's so beautiful. I'm curious to know what that looks like. Yeah. Um, so as I mentioned before, I'm, I'm a very hard person to love. And and, and, and I, I say that because I I am resistant sometimes, right? So like if a good thing happens in my life, I'm like, all right, cool. That's what's up. Let's keep moving. She's like, no, no, no. Slow down. Like, let's let's celebrate. And, and, and the celebration doesn't mean like, yo, we got to go pop bottles. But like slow down and like be present in the moment and receive like the good things that happen. Receive like that joy. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I, I'll, I'll say this in a very hopefully poignant way. Um, I used to find joy. I used to like find joy, keep my joy protected in my relationship with my grandmother, right? Like anything could be like the world could be burning down. But when I go see her or when I go sit with her and talk with her, I find joy because she's a safe place. And I and in a similar way, right, not as a replacement, not as a substitute, but in a similar way. My girlfriend gives me space to experience joy despite whatever else is happening in my life. Um, and that's that's not a perfect reality, but it's a reality that I know I need at this point to move forward in life. And that uh, that space and that freedom and that ability to experience joy creates a softer me, which also creates a more dynamic reality of me loving myself. Hmm. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. What does it look like for you to grow in love? 
when you're you're used to kind of like being in positions of service? Mm. It looks like being okay with not doing. Mm. So there's a there's a little voice in the back of my head that says you have to do because you don't deserve. And I'm not doing it to earn it, but I'm doing it as a response to like, yo, I don't deserve this. So let me, let me work as mm-hmm. a result to, uh, to, to just justify that I'm even in the room to experience it. Mm. Um, and, and I like, there's, there's one part where I genuinely really do love serving. Like I, like I, I, I really do love it. Like that's, like it's, it's a natural thing. Like I don't, I don't like people. I love people. And I say that in the context of, I may not always like how people show up, but I always am willing to love on people and give to people because I also know what it's like to not be loved and cared for in your life. Right. Um, but then there's another aspect of like, you know, if you, but if you, if you don't do that though, if you don't do that, you know, then you're, you're actually like not lovable. So at some point in time, this love that you're experiencing is going to stop. So there's, there's this, this notion of, um, yeah, dismantling a lie that's subtle enough that it can be blended in with the good things, but loud enough that it's a constant, um, terror or fear that may come to life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's subtle enough to fit under the bed, but it's loud enough that I'm scared of looking at what's actually under the bed. Mm. Um, so yeah, so, so for me, it's, it's, it's sometimes it's not doing, it's mm-hmm. not doing and trusting that even in my, uh, ability not to do, or I, when I don't do that, those that truly love and care about me are still going to treat me the same and love me the same and care for me the same, even when I am doing yeah. Yeah. That you, you are just loved. Like you can sit in love, you can be in love and you don't have to earn it. And yeah. I love that. I love that for you. And I love that for me because I feel like we've been, I moved to Atlanta a year before you, I believe. And then, yeah. but I feel like our journeys around this area have been like parallel because oh, without a doubt right like yeah, for real, for real. <laughs> right and god literally had to like move us yeah. out of the city of new york to to uh-huh. kind of drive home this truth that mm-hmm. you don't have to earn it through service and i do believe it's a gift because when you've experienced like not necessarily being loved at a younger age in the, you know, whatever. Like when you've experienced some stuff when you were young, mm-hmm. it like really f- messes you up. Yeah. And the best way that that's how we knew how to survive and navigate. But it no longer is beneficial, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 I, you said something like, you know how it feels to not be in love. So that's, that's what drives your service. Right. And that's right. for the longest time, still what drives my service. But I feel like 
I've just been, it's just good to just be like, it's just, it feels like I'm, I'm learning more of who I am mm-hmm. and I can see the same for you. Like, mm-hmm. and I, I can see that, that it's been, it's in moments it's been uncomfortable, but I am really, really proud of you, Mike, Michael. <laughs> I'm really, really proud of you and excited to continue to witness like all of what God is going to continue to do. And Thank you. I don't, I don't know. Like, what do you like? You know what I mean? Like, what do you do in these moments? <laughs> I'm trying to make you feel uncomfortable. Okay, so this is a rapid fire round. I bet. This is the rapid fire round. So I'm going to ask you like a series of questions, answer them really, really quickly. Okay. So how would you define love in a sentence? Sacrificial and kind. What is your love language? Acts of service. And, and, and I'm going to add another one. Actively and intentionally listening. Cool, cool, cool. What is a great resource that you've used to help you grow in love? Like that's been helpful. Mm, A great resource. Uh, Not to be that guy, but the Bible, for sure, for sure. I think, um, yeah, if, yeah, I'll I'll, go ahead. I'm going to say the Bible. I'm going to say the Bible. That's a great answer. Me too. Uh, What was the last? loving thing someone did for you? Mm. The last loving thing someone did for me was giving me a hug. Oh, I know that's super random, but like, honestly, yo, hug, hug the men in your life. You know what I mean? Like it, it actually matters. They may be resistant, but we want it. Oh, that's sweet. That's sweet. What was the last loving thing you did for someone? Uh, listened. Mm. Yeah, listen without judging, without condemning, and just like giving someone a space to be heard and seen. Cool, cool. And this is a bonus round for me. Um, you know I've been dating. Huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) You know I've been dating. So, what advice would you give to your friend, your sister, when it comes to these dating streets? Oh man, um, your worth is not tied to the actions of another person. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, and sometimes we can feel like the pump fake that we as men do sometimes or like the like ghosting that we as a generation do or like this like I'm kind of in I'm kind of not I'm feeling you but all of these like nuance like you know it feels like we're playing double dutch and we just losing right and we don't understand why but um None of that is a reflection of you being lovable and how much you are worth loving. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, so it does. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Mike. Is there any way that we can, as a new growth community, support you and the work you're doing? Yeah, um, support me in the work I'm doing, honestly, in this immediate moment, not really. I mean, I think I think you all can pray for a brother, right? Pray for a brother that, like, I, I, I rest well. And, um, yeah, I just, I take care of my health. 
You know mm. what I mean? I think that's that's a big thing for me right now is like just really being sure I'm I'm loving myself well but also loving my body well, which is a whole different conversation we can get into. But yeah. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, you asked for it. I'm about to pray for you. <laughs> God, thank you so much for this conversation with Mike. Thank you for giving him a voice to share his story. And thank you for loving him so deeply. Thank you for just this season in his life. Thank you for the love in his life. Thank you for um, what you're doing in his life. I just pray that God, you would, you would help him to rest I just pray for rest. I pray that he would rest in you and he would get rest in his physical body. And I pray for healing in any area that needs it. And um, I pray for rest in his mind. I pray for peace in his heart. And um, God, I pray for exponential hope. I pray that he would hope big. And yeah, I pray for deeper trust and that there would be a, um, I don't know, I just pray that there would be like a, I just see him coming out like he has been in a shell, but I, I just see him coming, stepping out I don't know what that will look like, but um, I just pray he would step fully into who he's supposed to be. And um, he would see himself as you see him. And um, we thank you. We thank you in advance. And um, I love you in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, there you have it, folks. A great conversation between my friend Mike and I. I really appreciate this conversation because one of the things I'm taking away is just the truth that love holds space for another person to feel safe. And love curates an environment for another person to feel physically safe, emotionally safe, spiritually safe mentally safe, right? And that's one of the things I'm going to be reflecting on. Like, how am I holding space? How am I creating space, spaces for people to feel safe in my presence? How am I helping people to feel the freedom to rest, to feel the freedom to just be and not perform And so that is going to be a question that I'm going to think through because I think it's pivotal. I think so much of our experience as humans is trying to feel safe ourselves, right? Because it's like a survival means. But like, I think the next level is thinking through like how you can make it so that people feel safe in your presence. 
They don't feel weighted. They don't feel constantly judged or criticized. And so, yeah, what does that look like for you? And I'm going to be thinking about what that looks like for me. But the, uh, the last thing he said around just not taking people's flakiness, not taking people's ghosting personally, I think that's also something that I needed to hear because sometimes you do take it personally. You'd be like, wait, this person just pulled the okie doke on me. Like, I thought we were, and then next you know we're not. You can kind of take it personal and start to look at yourself and say, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with you? Right? But I think it's really important to understand that most of the time, the way people show up really has nothing to do with you, but everything to do with where they are and what's going on in their world and the things they are wrestling through. So rather than taking it personally, you can actually take it as an opportunity to extend them grace, extend them compassion, holding your boundary, holding, you know, your heart, but, you know, acknowledging that This most likely has nothing, the way they're showing up has nothing to do with you. And if you feel like it, you can, you can pray for them and hope that they don't continue to show up that way. So those are my reflection points. I hope that you are creating space for other people to feel safe. And I hope that you are producing new growth in your world. Until next time, I love you guys.